Hey, my name's Ken Russell. I'm a City of Miami Commissioner, and I'm here to help you better understand your local government. My name is Ken Russell. I'm your City of Miami Commissioner for District 2, which is most of the waterfront of the City of Miami. Uh, as many of you know, we've been having a lot of talks about the health of Biscayne Bay. That also includes the ecology, the animals, of course, the birds. So I'm here today with Christopher and Kiki from uh, Pelican Seabird Station. They are going to tell us all about what they do as an organization and how you as a community can help step up as well for our local wildlife. So Christopher, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Um, yes, thank you so much for having us. Um, we love Miami, our magic city. Um, Pelican Harbor Seabird Station is, was founded in 1980 for the sole purpose of protecting and helping injured brown pelicans. They were endangered through 2009 and we treated over 9,000 over the decades. Um, we've grown to be um, a major wildlife hospital treating over 120 species a year, 2,500 patients with 40% coming from Miami. And we have a lot of wonderful residents um, coming in and helping us and partnering with us. And Kiki will speak more about that. But really, the very best way to tell you our story is to show you our a little video. It's three minutes. It's about our history, our present, and our future. Um, Kiki, thank you so much. Okay, thank you. Give me one second, and I will start this video. And... Green and Harry in the spring of 1980, a brown pelican entangled in fishing tackle was rescued by Darlene and Harry Kelton. They removed the hook and line, treated the wounds, fed it, and kept it in the shower of their houseboat for a few days while it recovered. This single act of kindness was the beginning of Pelican Harbor Seabird Station. Some 40 years later, over 9,000 brown pelicans have been treated at our facility, which is now internationally recognized as the premier pelican hospital in the world. Today, we treat over 2,000 patients of over 150 species, ranging from small ruby-throated hummingbirds to large pelicans and even bald eagles. But of course, pelicans will always remain at the heart of our mission. In the last two years, the Seabird Station has seen an increase by about 30% in our patient load. Our experienced and dedicated team has done a wonderful job treating these animals in our 950 square foot hospital. It has become clear that we are quickly outgrowing our facility and we need a more modernized space with outdoor enclosures to continue to care for the unique ecology that we see here at Pelican Harbor. With the recent fish kills and water quality issues in Biscayne Bay, along with Miami's constant growth, this expansion couldn't come at a better time. Thanks to the Deeks Foundation, we were recently able to secure our future by purchasing a 2.6 acre riverfront property with 338 feet of shoreline, a lush tree canopy and pastoral open fields along the shores of the Little River. This new site less than a mile from the original Seabird Station will provide more than 13 times the space of our current location. This allows us to increase the size of our pelican pools, expand patient enclosures and construct a much needed aviary for flight conditioning. From baby songbirds to fierce raptors, our patients will enjoy the best care in a peaceful environment, while a more spacious clinic will enable veterinarians, staff, and interns to do their best work and educational ambassadors to live their best lives. In addition to a 7,200 square foot wildlife hospital and education center, the site will also serve as a Tequesta Indian Archaeological Preserve, Nature Park, and Manatee Viewing Location. This relocation decision was the result of long talks and an exhaustive search. More than two dozen locations were considered, including four city, county, and state parks, based on factors like elevation, flood zone, traffic patterns, acreage, tranquility, and autonomy, 
as well as proximity to our current site and I-95 to reduce patient transport times, the Board of Directors identified the Little River Preserve as our ideal new home. We're so grateful for the community's support over the past 40 years and ecstatic about this beautiful property and the much needed expansion it allows for. Sponsorships for rooms, habitats, and trees are being matched up to $1.9 million by generous grants from the Deeks and Bassler Foundations. These sponsorships are a beautiful way to honor someone you love and leave a lasting legacy for Miami's wildlife. Please reach out if you'd like to get involved. Thank you for supporting our work and we hope to see you soon. Wonderful, good, good, good. So that basically speaks to, um, we've outgrown our current site, um, at Pelican Harbor Marina, and we're expanding to provide more room and space and better care to our diverse patients. Oh, really great, congratulations. And when will that be done? Um, well, um, we're, hope we're hoping the end of 2022, roughly two years. Very good. Very good. Your patients are really happy. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. my God. It's incredible. So as Christopher said, so we have treated over 34,000 patients, 207 different native species. Uh, as of today, we've seen 2,244. Last year, we closed the year with 1,973 patients. So it is incredible. We don't know if more people are at home or going for longer walks, or just because of our social media on Facebook, Instagram, if more people, and next door, a lot more people are learning about us. Uh, and City of Miami, we have seen 1,008 patients this year coming from City of Miami, uh, 108 different species. This includes also pelicans and ring-billed gulls and laughing gulls, but red-bellied woodpeckers, eastern phoebes, common yellow, uh, uh, common yellow, yellow throats. Right now, city of Miami is in the migration pathway. So we get a lot of birds that come in that hit windows or cat attacks. So these beautiful, sexy, amazing birds that rival a rainbow in their beauty come in. Eastern screech owl. We all hear them in our backyard. Um, very cool. And as Christopher said, you know, the city of Miami is where the finders, you know, find these animals and give us a call but we get them from all across Miami-Dade County, from the richest neighborhoods to you know, our less served communities. Um, uh, we started off with pelicans and pelicans are very brilliant animals that have learned to get free meals out of our fishing docks. Oftentimes they'll steal a fish and the fisher person, rather than pulling the pelican back in, they cut the hook and then the bellies get a, a hook in their bellies. Uh, we also get a lot of fractures, cat attacks, dog attacks, open wounds, head trauma. I talked about the window strikes and rodenticide poisoning. Sadly, a lot of our community don't, no one wants rats in their backyard, in their house. We get it. But when people put out rat poison, once that rat or mouse eats that poison and goes outside, it will become food to a hawk, an eagle, a falcon, or an owl, and then that animal gets poisoned. I truly believe that the best rodent control is for us to have a healthy birds of prey population in our yards to control the rats without having to poison uh, other animals. We treat only native species, uh, but every native species currently non-rabies vector. So we don't see raccoons and foxes right now. Possums don't get rabies. People think they do, they don't. Their body temperature is too cold. Uh, and we do see native turtles and tortoises, we refer the sea turtles uh, to other facilities. So squirrels, possums, 
a lot of our animals come in weak or lethargic, just not feeling well. And our team is able to try to diagnose what's going on. Birds come in with parasites, botulism, unnaturally occurring bacteria in the soil. We get cormorants, uh, boobies, um, which are beautiful, funny looking birds. And we get a lot of orphaned creatures coming in. Oftentimes when birds are learning to fly, they fall on the ground. People think they're injured, they bring them to us. Or sadly, when people are cutting trees, they don't check for nests. And you get an animal that falls in and they bring them to us. We try to have the community re-nest if possible, because no one takes care of a baby better than a mama can. But when they bring them to us, you know, we treat and release. Uh, this was a beautiful, sexy little screech owl that came in. You can look at its eyes, the way they are very droopy. It's probably a sign of rodenticide poisoning. This was a bald eagle that was found by old Cutler. Um, we've only had two bald eagles in our history. This one had a cocoa uh, buttonwood impaled on its wing. Sadly, this one did not make it. Uh, this is a very cool bird. It is uh, a nightjar. People think it's a hawk. Uh, and it had probably, you can see in the top picture, it's being treated with a laser. Laser treatments help wounds heal a lot quickly. Our animals do get fed specialized diet, whether they're carnivores, pescivores, uh, vegetarians. And when they're weak and not eating well, they do have to be uh, hand fed or fed special meals. This was a very cool hawk that was found in one of our dumps. You can see uh, in the picture, its feathers were singed. They were burned by the methane. So what our team does, they get feathers from a different bird who has passed and kind of implant the a new feather through the shaft of the old one until that bird is able to you know, maintain its muscle mass and regain the new feathers. Then they have to pass flight school. And before our hawks get released, they also have to pass mouse school, that we know those birds are able to catch a mouse on their own. Uh, and you know, the birds that fish have to pass fish school. It's very, very rigorous. You know, I generally think most people are good and most people wanna do the right thing, but these two turtles were found in Biscayne Bay. They are chained together, uh, freshwater turtles with a little Santeria omen in the back. Uh, a good Samaritan found them, brought them to us. One of them was able to make it, the other one did not. Uh, the picture on the right has a beautiful cardinal that got caught in a glue trap. Someone put out glue traps to catch iguanas. Uh, and this also shows you the love and compassion that people in our community have. They brought them in to us. Our team was able to release them and the callers were calling us constantly. How is the cardinal doing? When can it be come back? because the mate of this cardinal was calling and singing for it to come back. We were able to give the cardinal back to the finder to release and be reunited with its mate. So very beautiful, happy stories. And I just love this picture, it's a chimney swift. That's how I sometimes I feel frazzled with all the things we have to do. Um, he was able to be released too. Our team is amazing, not only uh, do they work together, it's also we have internship programs where people wanting to become wildlife rehabbers or veterinarians spend time with our clinic. The woman in the back is a veterinarian. We saw her in the video and she comes in to do some of the more challenging surgeries that our rehab team cannot. But our ultimate goal is release. 
Tori is one of our four rehabbers and this bird is ready to be released. We are not a zoo and we're not a sanctuary. Our goal is to put these animals back into the wild, give them a second chance club. Aerial view of our new property off the Little River, very excited. Uh, we have programs to teach community members that possums are awesome. You know, they eat ticks, they eat roaches, they eat the things you don't want in your backyard. That screech owls are an incredible part of our every neighborhood, Coconut Grove, City of Miami, Shenandoah, we have a lot of these. And to educate people why we, no one wants to poison one of these on purpose, but not knowing what happens. Pelicans, you know, are the heart of the seabird station. And we hope this pandemic is over soon so we can go back to our schools, you know, and reach out to our community and teach kids how important wildlife is and how we have them in our neighborhoods. We do uh, bird watches, can't wait to go back to Simpson Park and our beautiful city parks, Kennedy Park, with our community and inspire people to look up into the tree canopy and watch the birds. And we could not do it without our volunteers. Uh, I worked at Fairchild for many years and over there it's sexy. People work with butterflies and rainforest. Our volunteers clean bird poop and cut little fish to feed to birds. Not very sexy, but there's the love and passion that our volunteers have to give these animals a second chance. And we have a lot of cleanups. We go out to Bird Key and in our community and pick up trash that injure our wildlife. Very cool. I do have questions. That's amazing. Thanks for that presentation. It's, it's actually really close to my heart. My wife's a veterinarian. Um, one of her most common surgeries is obstruction removal. Her, she, she works on cats and dogs. Yes. Um, and uh, we have a little cat who really loves to eat ah. the, the strings off of masks. So we have a, a mask policy in our house that there can't be any masks left around. And I'm sure you're finding a lot of masks in parks and the waterways, and I'm sure animals are, are eating these as well. So people should really be careful. That's a public service announcement from my wife. I noticed the, uh, one, of the, one of the common questions you have is about orphaned animals. So I, I called in to the Seward Station a few months ago. We had found a, my daughters, they had found a small, uh, maybe a morning dove, a baby in the yard, wandering around, looked too young to fly, but we thought for sure our job is to pick this up, put it in a box and drive it to you as quickly as possible. Uh, so we called and we learned that's not the right thing to do. So can you, can you explain, because I, I think this might be a common misunderstanding or misconception. Can you explain what people should do when they find a baby bird that uh, seems to be lost? Absolutely. Chris, do you want to take this or should I? We can tag team it. Essentially, um, baby birds, before they fledge the nest, um, they have various phases. There's a branching phase for owls and raptors where they do ex explorations and they're exploring around. And, and even the mockingbirds and, and, and um, blue jays, they have a ground phase where they're playing around on the ground. Um, and so this is a natural part of their development where they're learning to fly. Their nests are close to the ground. Their parents are still feeding them. So that we call it bird napping because they're not, they really, they're not injured. They're not sick. They're not orphaned. Their parents are still with them. But we have a lot of feral cats. And I, I have a cat. I love cats, but there are a lot of community cats in our magic city and they're, that's not safe for baby birds learning to fly. Um, and so um, in some cases we do take them in and put them with other orphan 
mockingbirds or blue jays in a communal environment because there are too many feral cats in their community. Um, but often we'll re-nest them where we'll actually try to get them back in the nest or get them uh, back in an, an artificial nest near the original nest. They don't always stay because baby birds have a mind of their own and it's part of their process. Um, Kiki, is there anything you want to add to that? Yeah, because I think perfect Chris, you know, and as I said before, no one takes care of their babies better than mama can. There's an old myth that if you touch a bird, the mama's gonna smell human on it and not take care of it. Actually, most birds don't have a good sense of smell other than the vultures. Mama will take care of it. Mama will come back for them. And if they are almost to the point that they can fly, we'd rather the mother do it because if they come to us, though we do it with love, no one wants to be in a hospital. You know, hospitals are stressful. You know, the birds have to be force fed until we know they're good and we'll take them with love, but we'd rather the parents do it. So mm -hmm. you can create like Christopher said, and we have videos on our website that show you how to build, you know, a temporary nest in the meantime. But, you know, let mama do it. And if mama can't, or if there are too many, and I've had, and this is a, one of the most challenging things dealing with our feral cat population. I've had a cat too. One of our neighbors brought us two possums in five days that the po baby possums that their cat, you know, brought in. So. Mm -hmm. Yep, my cat's guilty of <laughs> such adventures as well. <laughs> um, my last question for you is about uh, screech owls. They're the little ones, right? That I see at night, I'm walking my dogs by the park and I'll hear that, I don't hear a screech, I hear a very low little rhythmic uh, sound from the trees and if I look, I can find them. They're the little ones, right? Yes. Um, so they're, they're good for our area. Where do, where do they live in the trees? Where, is that a burrowing owl? Where does that tree, where does that owl live? Um, so, so Florida has five native owl species. Screech owls and burrowing owls are the two smallest. Burrowing owls are endangered and live underground. And they're pretty rare in Dade County, Miami-Dade County. Screech owls are very common, the most, probably the most common owl. And they're the smallest. And they live in our oak trees and our gumbo limbos and our tree canopy. And they do, they do nest in cavities, um, so they, they like old dead trees or knots in trees, but um, yeah, and their little call, it's almost, it's kind of similar to a, um, a bufo toad, a neotropical marine toad, that little, but um, yeah, they're wonderful, and we do, um, we treat about 80 a year, despite our strong efforts to re-nest as many as possible, and we do um, put screech owl boxes back into the community, so we're happy to put one, you know, in a park in Miami for the neighbors, and some habitat. I think we should have one in City Hall. Where can you get these uh, these owl houses, these boxes? You have to make them, or what do you do? We order them, we make them, but but we, we typically order them because it's faster. It's faster, and and when they're in mouse school, you know, the screech owls out in the owl mew, they are living in these boxes. So we're actually putting them out in the boxes that they kind of grew up in or part of their life in. Um, but they don't stay. Once the baby owl fledges, they'll only return to the cavity once they're sexually mature to, to breed and nest. So um, other owls may occupy the box, as may bees or starlings. I sense a fun project here. I'm a, I'm a bit of a hobbyist woodworker, and we have plenty of parks in the city of Miami, and we have plenty of people who probably like to help. So I'd love to start an initiative with our city parks and city properties, um, maybe where we can create and work on building or purchasing some of these owl houses and placing them. Of course, I'd like to build one. I want to see what it's like to build I one. like it. I like it. I love that. I love that. I'm going to talk to our city manager and, and see what we can do.
about that because I'm sure the habitat is shrinking and we don't have enough green space in parks and trees. So uh, I'll be back in touch with you. This is something I'd like to work on and I'm, I'm excited about it. Good, good, good. Awesome. All right. Well, this has been great. This is really great getting to know you and share your information with my constituents. Um, how can they find you? How can someone who really is interested in helping you, how can they donate? Where, where can I direct them? So definitely our website, pelicanharbor.org is, you know, the main number. If they have an animal emergency, they can call us at 305-731-9840. And I'll share this information with Alejandro. You can donate online, Christopher. And we have, and definitely we encourage everyone to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, We have an incredible quarterly newsletter that if they send us our email, we will send them, you know, the quarterly newsletter. Uh, Right now, we are not doing presentations at school, but we can do a similar presentation of what we did with you today via Zoom and have one of our ambassador animals be present so the children can also see them. I've done these with not only K through 12, but also with University University of Miami, Barry University, Miami-Dade College, and encourage kids, you know, of all ages to get out there and get in touch with us. We, and we'll also share a link to, we have also, I don't know how much time we have, but we also have like a three minute cartoony type of uh, presentation that has many of the statements, you know, that we said, Christopher, what else would you like to share? Because with a new property, I know there's sponsorship Mm. opportunities. We would be thrilled to do a release with you, Commissioner Russell, a virtual release for the community at one of the parks with a, with a hawk or with a woodpecker, whenever you're, whenever you're ready, you know, in 2021, um, we want to do more community releases for, um, for the, for the residents. And um, we do have a two minute video on um, impacts that, that birds face when they pass through our magic city and the Atlantic flyway, which is a major corridor for migratory birds. If we're out of time, we can, we can share that link with you for the, for the future. We'll definitely repost that. I found I just found your uh, your Instagram, which is Seabird Station, and I was going to follow it, but I'm already following it, so we're good. Wonderful, and, great, uh, good. Yeah. So, and uh, I'll leave you with Coconut Grove's favorite non-native uh, bird. This is our this is our peacock. This is my yes. <laughs> peacock. So uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we get a lot of calls about peacocks, and we get a lot of calls about Muscovy ducks, but because they are not native you know, we cannot treat them. Uh, it's not actually legal to release them back into the environment. And we have so many non-natives that if we spend 40 cents out of every dollar to treat an animal that's illegal to release, we'd, you know, we wouldn't be able to do. And I would love to do more of these one day when we can do uh, diving deeper into certain species so that our community members know more about what are those animals in their backyard? What is migration? You know, how is South Florida like the hotspot? I think, Christopher, you and I were having this conversation yesterday that we, out of all the wildlife hospitals in the continental United States, we have the highest diversity of species that we see. That's because biodiversity increases with lower latitudes, and we're the lowest latitude wildlife hospital in the mainland United States and the Everglades and everything. So, but um, thank you so much for your time. We're so grateful um, for your interest and your work and, and our work, not just through this, but by calling in with the injured animal, a couple of baby bird a few months ago. Um, so thank you. It's an absolute pleasure. We will definitely be back in touch. You are very welcome anytime. And we, we'd love to learn more. So 
Thank you. Keep up the good work. Good luck on the new home. And everyone feel free to donate uh, and take care. And thank you for your work in the city of Miami. I live in Shenandoah, so, you know, I love this city. So thank you. Miami, yes. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye-bye. See you.